Ever wonder why women can't put on mascara with their mouth closed? <laughs> Ever wonder why the sun lightens our hair but darkens our skin? Ever wonder why you don't ever see the headlines say, Psychic wins lottery? <laughs> why is abbreviated such a long word? <laughs> Sorry, doctors. Why is it the doctors call what they do a practice? Why is it that to stop Windows 98, you have to click on start? Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor and dishwashing liquid made with real lemons? Guys, ladies, why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? Why is a time of day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? When dog food is new and improved tasting, who tests it? Why didn't Noah swat those two mosquitoes? You know that in Dece <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Manitoba, eh? <laughs> you know that indestructible black box that's used on airplanes? Why don't they make the whole plane out of that stuff? <laughs> Why don't sheep shrink when it rains? And why are they called apartments when they all stuck together? Uh, if con is the opposite of pro, is Congress the opposite of progress? And the last one, if flying is so safe, why do they call the airport the terminal? <laughs> All right, got a few laughs. Oh, praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. I just pray that as I teach, you'd help me to teach. Lord, I pray that your spirit would give me the lips of the learned, help me to make knowledge acceptable. I pray that as we hear, the Lord will grow, will change, will become what you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to talk for a little while today about changing your mind. We're going to title it, Change Your Mind, Renew It. You know, people are made in the likeness and the image of God. The Bible says that in Genesis, that you weren't, your great-great-great-great-grandma didn't swing from a tree and grandpa picked, you know, nits and ate them from monkeys, but that God created you with a lot of forethought and planning. And if God is a God that... He plans, he thinks, he's, he dreams. Then so are people. And so every one of you here today, God did not make you ordinary, didn't make you um, average, didn't make you mediocre. In fact, no two people on the planet are the same. He made you to do incredible things. But when God made people, he made them so unique. You, you have your own will and God respects your will. Whatever you choose to do with your life, God will never violate that. He loves you. He cares about you. And he gave you free choice. So we've got to choose to live our lives according to the word of God. And I want to encourage you that, you know, if you're at a place in your life, maybe, it's your, maybe you've, you never go to church and maybe you've been in church for years. It doesn't really matter this way. I found both people can lose a dream and just begin to get through life day by day. Now, there's a song out that goes, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. You know what? One day at a time is the way to get through storms. It's very true. Just get through today. 
and God will be there for you tomorrow. But you know what? When you get through that storm and all storms end, you got to have a dream, a plan. And the Spirit of God on the inside of believers is there, according to Acts 2.17, that when the Spirit of God is in you, when you give your life to Jesus, He brings dreams and visions into your life. And it is a key for the very destiny that God has made you for. One of the things I believe that is probably the most important thing after a person gives their life to Jesus Christ and is filled with his Holy Spirit is the renewing of the mind. And this, this brain up here, because God gave each of us our own brain, our own soul, our own mind, we got to choose to change it. So I'm going to talk today. I'm going to give you five thoughts. You can number them one to five if you want. I want to talk about changing your mind. Let me show you how vital it is according to Romans 12 and verse 2. The Bible is absolutely an awesome book on how to live life to the fullest with joy, excitement, with passion and meaning. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, But you be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. Okay, stop right there. God is teaching us that although he's in our hearts when we accept him, that's not enough to change our lives. We literally have to make a choice to renew our own mind. It goes on to say this. We have by the renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, God's got a plan. It's his will for your life. You know, if you were to ask me, okay, Leon, what's your will for your kids? I couldn't because I didn't create them. I couldn't tell you exactly what I want them to do because I don't know to the fullest their gifts and abilities. But if you ask me their dad, what I have, what I would, if I could choose their future, what I'd pick for them, it'd be all awesome, good things. And that's what God wants for every one of us. Now, on this planet, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And some people think that God allows it or does it. It's not true. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is a God of this world. And, and it, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of good stuff just happens. In the middle of it all, God wants you and I to rise up and to get our brains and our minds renewed in his word and live life to the fullest. So Romans 12 is a key verse for you. If your marriage right now is really struggling, I'm amazed how many times I'll counsel with marriages and The guy will say, I don't enjoy my marriage. I don't enjoy what's going on. My wife is like this, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll begin to come to church and hear teaching. Or he'll get a a cassette series on marriage. And he'll begin to find out what a marriage is. He'll begin to find out what his role is as a man. How to be a great husband. And his wife won't change a bit. He just renews his mind. Who what the word says. And pretty soon he's telling me, I've got the most awesome wife, Pastor. I'm thinking, did she change? Well, no, I did. (laughs) It's amazing when you renew your mind. There are people who struggle with finances, can't get ahead. Maybe you were raised in a home that having money was evil or it was wrong. And and when you begin to succeed, you kind of feel, you know what, as you renew your mind, that God has called you and I to be blessed so that we can in turn bless others. The renewing of the mind is vital. 
If you were never, if you were raised in a home where you didn't even see a good marriage, if you've, if you were raised in, 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 in a, in a lifestyle or in a community where friendships were just weird and awkward, did you know that all of your wiring of and software that's up there has got to be changed? And the Bible is wonderful. But if I was to ask you a question, I said, in your life, who at a critical time of real major trauma or hurt or a real crossroads in your life spoke something to you. It was a thought that you maybe hadn't thought of it that way. And those words came into your life and you found the courage, the strength to rise up and do something you never thought you were capable of. Or in the midst of something you didn't think you could make it through. Someone said something to you, and it gave you what you needed. So what words are a wonderful thing. They can empower people and excite people. Jesus says, these words are spirit and truth. In other words, when you begin to read the Bible, it is the greatest book to renew your mind, to make you realize that God is awesome. He's in love with you. To make you realize he created you and he doesn't make junk. I told you guys in a series called Finding Your Destiny that, you know, you can look at something. And if you look long enough, if you flip this pulpit over, you'll find on the bottom made in, in some place, made in Japan or made in, you know, in America or made in Canada or on your car. It might say designed by Chrysler. If God was to put a stamp on you, it would be made by God. Designed in the engineering labs of heaven. When you're born on this planet, though, he hands you your future. And so we learn to walk this wonderful life through. Let me give you now five thoughts from the Word of God about how to renew your mind, how to think better. All of us, including me, we all need to think better thoughts, keep changing and moving on. Number one, here we go. According to Hosea 4.6, God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now, that's something you hear me quoting all the time in this church. God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. It does not say that God's people perish for a lack of love or a lack of miracles or a lack of prayer. It says God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now, this is absolutely a dynamic verse. What do you mean God's people are perishing? Their marriages are perishing because they don't have enough knowledge. And they're Christians. Their health is perishing because they don't have enough knowledge. Their, their peace of mind is perishing. You name different areas of their life, and their life is going down. And it's saying here, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Why is knowledge so powerful? Because knowledge gives you, it empowers you, it gives you the ability to take a brand new thought and to make changes. How many times has somebody ran into trouble, and when they had something go wrong, and you're talking, you say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's what it meant. I didn't know. We were in England, in England, Sally and I, and, you know, I just completely forgot that they drive on the wrong side of the road over there. Okay? So we're about to cross one of the very first streets, right? So I'm looking down the wrong way. So I'm standing on the curb right now. Let me get this right, because I'm so I'm looking this way. That's why I'm looking for a car. Nothing comes. Step out. <clears throat> Traffic goes right by. It was just didn't know. And someone said, okay, now when you're in England, this is what you got to know. People are perishing for not knowing. You know, many people's marriages perish not because God doesn't love you, not because his presence isn't trying to help you, but because you need knowledge on what a good marriage is. Maybe you don't know what one is. 
Maybe when it comes to finding real peace and joy in your life, you just don't know how. You know, God's people, it says, are perishing. Christians are dying in areas of their lives for a lack of knowledge. So I want to encourage you, go after knowledge. The book of Proverbs, verses one, chapters 1 to 31, is all about um, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. I want to encourage you to know what those three words mean because they are important in the Bible. Knowledge is the facts. God will never give you knowledge. Knowledge is the facts. Understanding is the ability to know what the facts mean. Wisdom is the ability to take the facts and make wise decisions with them. Now, God will give you wisdom liberally, it says. Oh, he'll pour wisdom. But the problem with wisdom is it's limited to the knowledge you have. <laughs> I'll give you an example of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that I like to use. The bank phones you and says, sir, your credit cards are maxed out. Now, those are the facts. Now, a man with no understanding goes, hmm, I need some more credit cards. Okay? A man with good understanding starts to meditate on this. He goes, I need to control my spending. Now, they're, under, they're understanding the facts. Now, wisdom is the ability to take what you understand and actually do it. How many people know they should do something in life, but they still don't do it? They've got the facts. They understand the consequences, and they still won't change. You know, they say that most people... Do not change until something traumatic happens in their life. If they're overweight or they have poor hearts because they don't work out, it's until they have a heart attack or something really traumatic happens, and then it shocks them, and even then a great percentage don't really change. The Bible will help us to change. And it says here that God's people need the knowledge of the Word. And when you get knowledge in, something is going to happen to you. I'm surprised when I do conferences in different uh, cities or uh, across Canada and the U.S. that how many people do not go after knowledge? If you're sitting here right now and there is a problem in your life, the first question I would ask you if I was your friend and we knew each other well, I would say, what have you researched on that? Well, I'm just praying for a miracle. <laughs> well, I'm glad because God does do miracles. But you know what? Rather than praying for a miracle for your marriage, maybe it's time to get some knowledge on how to be a better wife, better husband, etc. Finances, everything's the same. Go after knowledge. Number two, second thing the Bible says about changing your mind. Train your mind to stay focused on the new direction that the Word of God is pointing out. Train your mind to stay focused. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, Joshua is taking over for Moses. He's got to lead three million people back to Canaan, into Canaan. And so God speaks to him in verse 7, and he says this, Joshua, you are going to be awesome. Everywhere you go, you're going to be blessed. Be courageous, be strong. Then he says, now, Joshua, do not look to the left. Do not look to the right. Stay focused is what he's saying. I'm amazed in my life, and I guess you're probably the same like me, how easy it is to get the focus off of what's important and to get it on the things that aren't important. Focus is vital. He's saying, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. I was telling the first service when I was training for emergency driving years ago, and, and you've heard me use this story in other examples, that they took us to an airport runway to teach us how to focus properly on the road and how when we entered intersections, how to drive a with wisdom. And so we went to the airport and all these guys who were going to be paramedics were all sitting in vehicles and they had an instructor and then I was at the wheel of my car. Three cars went through this test. This was a test. 
You would drive down this airport runway and they'd have two intersections with pylons all out in front of you. And they had it figured out at a certain place. They got the instructor would put a clipboard in front of my face and then he would lean over and steer and he'd say faster, faster. At a certain speed, he knew exactly when to pull the blindfold off and you would enter an intersection. In the intersection, they would have two lanes, one going left, one going right, and they would put a dummy in the left lane or in the right lane or in both lanes and you'd have to make a decision which lane to take. So as I'm watching, I was fourth car up. And as I'm watching, everybody's hitting the dummy. In fact, not only did they hit it, they turned into it. And so I asked the instructor, I said, okay, like, come on, help me out here. Like, what's the trick here? He said, well, see everyone hitting the dummy? He said, yeah. That's because when they come into the intersection and they can sense an object over there, they look at it. And when you look at it, you ought to, there's no time to really make a decision. Your body instinctively moves. And so the second you look, your body moves to what you're focused on. He says, when you enter the intersection, Leon, the trick is just look with straight ahead and with your peripheral vision, you'll see an object in the wrong lane, in, taking up a lane. Do not look at the object. Why? Who cares what it is? You don't want to hit it. Look at the open lane and instantly the whole car and your body will shift to the open lane. And it worked over and over. I found out I could do it. I could throw that vehicle into the proper lane. You see, it's a fact that what you focus on in life, you move towards. There are people who are focused on the problems in life. And so you know what? Their problems become mountains. People are focused on, on I, I have to have a little tidbit of wisdom. For those of you that are married, I always pick on married couples quite a bit. You realize you never will train your mate to being perfect. Don't want to pop any bubbles here, but you're never going to get them there. So instead of focusing on their problems, maybe it's time to focus on how good they are and how awesome they are. And you know what? You'll get more of the same. The good things will rise up. People get focused on the negative so quick. Their whole life fills up with anger and irritableness. You see, until you change your mind, you'll look at a situation once one way and get irritated and angry. Look at a situation another way and feel totally different if you can change your mind. Renewing your mind is vital to Christians to really enjoy the Christian life. Stay focused. They say, they tell us that, they tell us, God's calling. They tell us that today adults have a hard time focusing. That they say don't public speak longer than 30 minutes. Because almost nobody will be with you when you pass the 30-minute marks. Well, I better hurry here. <laughs> now, it's true when you look at our kids. Like, little kids, as they grow older, have a, a, an ability to stay focused longer. I mean, when they're two years old, you can't expect them to sit in a desk at school for eight hours. So you don't. You know, I'll say it. Ever go shopping? And see a mama with a two-year-old and no one's told her they don't sit for four hours shopping? <laughs> they don't. They can't focus that long and they can't just sit there that long. They, they, they learn to just focus on something like the teaching of the Word today. There are some sitting here right now. They're focused and their brain is in there actually grabbing the concept. And there are others who are just kind of like... And you have a hard time focusing. You know what? You've got to train your mind to stay focused. If you have ever been involved in sports, if you've ever been involved in anything, focus is vital. Those who get unfocused. If I was to grab the TV camera, are you on me? Unfocus it there if you could. Isn't that awful? Can you imagine? Okay, a little bit better than that. <laughs> Stop right there. A little bit better. A little bit better. 
little bit better. Okay, stop right there. Can you imagine what it would be like if I just left it like that? But yet, people will go through, thank you, you can fix it now. <laughs> people will go through life and never stay focused clearly on what it is they want from life. You know, the Bible shows you answers. It shows you how to have a good life, how to have a life full of joy and peace, how to have meaning in your life. It shows you how to have great kids. It shows you how to raise children. It, show, it shows you anything you need to know. It's in this instruction manual. Most people think it's a book of do's and don'ts, but it really is the manual for a human being, how to grow how to have a life that's awesome, but you're going to have to learn to get focused. How many people have you heard, or maybe this is you, say, you know what, Pastor, I want to read my Bible, but to tell you the truth, I fall asleep when I read it. How come you don't fall asleep when you watch 007 movies? It's just a matter of training to stay focused. I found in my life that if I wanted to learn something, I would have to get myself, make sure my, I had my rest, make sure that, and I would begin to focus. And I would, I practiced meditating. I would, often when I'm preparing, even to do a message, I'll sit down when the kids are sleeping, everything's quiet, I'll sit down and I'll just close my eyes and I'll just start to think and meditate and focus on what do I want to talk about? What's the topic I really feel God putting in my heart to share with you? And as that topic comes, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit who's inside of you begins to bring examples and analogies and, and verses from the Word begin to come together. And you can just sit there and just focus on that. You know, the more you focus on solving that problem and with, with just a sense of, I'm going to do this, it's amazing how everything you need begins to come. Train yourself to focus. Don't go through life making excuses going, oh, I'm so unfocused. Because <laughs> you won't get anywhere. It's actually a law of the word. And I can take this one topic and show it to you all through the Bible. It teaches us to let your eye be single. Get focused on what's important. Don't let your eye go to the left or the right. Live the life that you desire. Stay focused on what you want. How many people have gone through a day and said, I didn't get nothing done I wanted to do today? Don't put your hands up. But how many have said that lately? <laughs> now, why? It's going to be a matter of discipline, focusing on what you want to do, getting stuff done, not living lives, happenstance. Number three, here we go. According to the Bible, how can you change your mind? How can you renew it? Be courageous. Just be courageous. Say, well, show me how. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, over and over, God speaks to an incredible leader named Joshua, and he says, be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. Now, many people think that courage is the absence of fear, but it's not. You go see anybody that's done anything great with their life, had incredible things, or a hero that dashed into a foxhole in a war or whatever. People who are heroes or people that you and I can really respect, they're not people who have no fear. In fact, I actually am worried. I don't think I'd want to hang around people with no fear at all. By that, I don't, I don't mean the spirit of fear, because we have not the spirit of fear. But I mean, you know, they just don't. Fear is always going to push at you. So to be courageous means to feel the fear, to have the shaky knees, and to get up and do it anyway. Some people think they're always trying to remove all the fear from their life. And you go through life doing the wrong things. No, God doesn't say here, okay, let's figure out how to remove this fear, analyze this fear. He says just be courageous. That means that if you'll spend time in the Word and get your brain reading and praying, something gets on the inside of you. I do not know how to explain this one other than when I stay in the Word and prayer, just read. This book is not just a... Uh, 
a book that hits your brain. Something spiritual comes out as the presence of God rises on the inside of you. I'm going to share four fears that are very common that stop people. Just talk about them for a second. There's the fear of change. You need to be courageous and just deal with the fear of change. There are some people who do not want to change for nothing. And anytime someone just brings any kind of change in, oh, they're just all upset. Man, change is coming to our world faster than you ever imagined. You may as well embrace it or it'll be forced on you in every area of life. Let's get rid Stop the fear of change. Change is good. Good change. And there's going to be changes that are going to come to your life that aren't good. They're not things you enjoy, but they're going to come anyway. You know, women always tell me, I don't like aging. <laughs> well, guess what? It's going to happen. So be courageous. Do everything you can to fight it. <laughs> but just keep going. Things are going to change. Don't be afraid of change. The fear of failure is another fear that really keeps people from changing and doing everything they want to in their life. What are you afraid of failing at? It's amazing how many people are afraid to fail. They won't even try because I might fail. As though failure is a sin. As though failure is something that's horrible. But you know what? I would rather pursue a dream with my life and never reach it than to pursue nothing all my life and get it. I was talking with a cousin of mine. We were talking about how that success is not the destination. Success is the whole journey. Life itself is wonderful. God made it to be enjoyed. Let's stop worrying about failure. In fact, I tell people, if you're not falling down a few times, you're not running fast enough. Anybody can walk through the whole room and not fall down. But sprinting, you're going to have the odd fall. But boy, can you cover territory when you sprint. Let's start sprinting a little bit with our lives and, and get going. Stop being afraid of failure. You know, there are some people who are afraid of success. Now, these people usually don't know it. But something in them has been ingrained in them that, you know, you can't be too successful. You get proud. You get arrogant. All successful people are. All people with money, they're crooked. They're wrong. And, you know, if you get too big in the company, it's just not good. God never intended anybody to have that much power. And so, and, and, and all this stuff can get in. If it's in your culture growing up, you literally, I've watched people begin to make it in life and over and over again sabotage what's going on in their lives. They've always got a reason, well, this kind of happened or that happened. And you've heard people share all their close calls to really making it somewhere in life and all the things that sabotaged them. You're going to find, you'll be amazed how many people there's a fear of success. How will it change my life or things that have been just ingrained in them? The Bible is a success book. Some people don't like to hear it. They just want the Bible to be a book for psychological comfort. But it teaches you how to have successful families, how to have a successful life. How to be successful leaders. How to be successful parents. How to be successful in your friendships, your finances, every area of life. You're made, designed to succeed. Stop being afraid of it. The last one I'll mention here is a lot of people are afraid of people. People. What will people think? What are people thinking about me right now? You know, one of, I had to stop looking at my wife. When she's in one of our services, because if there was anything wrong, you know, or, or a little piece of lint in my coat, she'd look at me kind of funny. And I knew when I looked in her eyes, there was something wrong. I didn't, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I'd lose my place in my message. And I'd be, I'm thinking, is my zipper? I mean, is it my, what, is it my you know, my, my shoes not sitting right? What's going on here? If I, I don't even look at her because, you know, when you're in front of people, it's, 
you just, you want to look, everyone wants to look their best and do their best, but you've got to get rid of the fear of people. You know, I was a person, when I was growing up, I had to have everybody like me. It was so important to me. Everyone must like me. Please, please like me. And I remember running around trying to keep everybody happy. And then one day my lightning fast brain realized even Jesus Christ himself couldn't get everybody to like him. So I gave up too. <laughs> now it's important for me that I, I mean, I love having people to like me, of course, but I no longer am all bent out of shape. I look at people and I know everyone's got different tastes, different belief systems. I say, hey, I, I, I hope we can love each other and like each other. And if you don't, hey, I'll be happy anyway. You be happy anyway. Don't let the fear of what people are thinking and saying have you living in a box where you're like this person who's got their hands on the threshold and they're peeking out going, I'd love to just get out and enjoy that big world, but I'm afraid of what people will think or what they'll say. Get rid of those fears. Be courageous. It means face that fear, feel it, yes, and get out and do something for the first time. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Don't let fears keep you back. Let be courageous. Number four, meditating in the Bible will bring God's wisdom for your life. Years ago, I had some scholarships that I felt I was going to become a lawyer or a doctor. And one day in a little church in Main Street, Winnipeg, I was sitting in a service, and a guy literally who did not know me called me out, and he just told me, God wants me to tell you that you're called to the ministry. And you've got choices to make. You choose. But it's your choice. But God's telling you, you make the choice. And he wants you to pastor. Well, I did not want to pastor. So I told God, fine. I'll pastor. If I can have the same results and miracles the Bible had for its pastors in the New Testament. Thought I had God over a box and God said, of course. And I did. I made changes in my life. And instead of pursuing the things that I thought were for me, I began to say, okay, God, what do I need to do to prepare to pastor? Though I had great examples in my mom and my dad, but for me, and I thought, Lord, I'm so young, who's going to listen to me? I'm young, and everyone wants gray hair. I mean, you can get a salon job, but everyone wants gray hair and some wisdom. And, and before, you know, before you start teaching people something, and God gave me these verses in the Bible, and they literally became something I meditated on day after day after day to just kind of make me, myself, realize God's called me, and I can grow and learn. Here's what it says. Psalms 119, verse 97 says this. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I'm focused on your word and what it says. Verse 98, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Wow. The wisest one usually wins. I have better understanding and deeper insights than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 100, I understand more than the older folks. Because I keep your precepts, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. And I begin to take this promise, and I begin to just cling to it and say, Okay, God, if I'm called to help people by teaching them the Bible and pastoring a church and, and trying to get people to realize this book is incredible, it's phenomenal, you can bank your life on it, then you're going to have to make me wiser than my enemies because there's always someone trying to shut down what God's doing. Make me wiser than my teacher. That's kind of an arrogant prayer, but it's in the Bible. 
and make me wiser than the older people. Now, anybody can claim that and believe that. And you know what? There are two, there are two teachers in life. Experience is a great teacher. But if you have to learn everything by experience, you're never going to be much faster than everyone has gone before you. But you know, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. And if you'll take God's word and begin to study it, you, there are going to be things in life. Pain is inevitable. The Bible says that life's got it. But you know what? There is a lot of things in life you don't have to go through and learn by experience. You know what? I don't want to learn by experience that Canadian thistle patches hurt. Okay, I'll take your word for it. And you know, as we learn and go after God's knowledge and his wisdom, if we meditate in God's word, you can become wiser than the enemies around you. Literally more insight than the very teachers that are teaching you. And you know what? When, when you look at situations and you make decisions, people will look at you and go, where? Did she or he get that wisdom? They are wise beyond their years. That is available to all Christians. Why wouldn't we want to begin to study the Bible? Basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. God's manual on you and I. Look at Psalms 2. Got one more thought left, but let's look at Psalms 2 for a minute. I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 1. Blessed. You know, blessed means happy, fortunate, and to be envied and prosperous is the man who walks and lives, not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Now listen to this. You know, there are people today who want they want a life filled with God's joy and his purpose and a relationship with him. But you know who they hang around with and, and who they talk to too much? Mockers and scoffers. Oh, pff, yeah, right. All that positive teaching from the word of God. If you believe that, well, I've got a, I've got a mink farm to sell you to. And on and on they go. And when you hang around people who are always down and negative, who are always mocking, you know what you do? You're going to hinder the blessing of God in your life. Because you've got to begin to renew your mind with the word of God. Look what verse 2 says. But your delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, when you see the word law here, it means his words here. And on his law, it says he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Now listen to this. Its leaf shall not fade or wither. Now listen to this, all you negative people, if there's any here. There's none here. <laughs> and everything he does, everything he does shall prosper. Do you know what God's will for your life is? That everything goes good. Oh, Leon, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Oh, what verse is that? Well, Leon, Murphy's Law, I don't see a book of Murphy, chapter 3, verse 2. 
fact, scratch. How many guys got Murphy's Law? No, don't raise your hand. Get rid of the Murphy's Law on your desk. Read the Bible. It says here that if you'll begin to meditate in the Word, why is meditation so important? It begins to change the way you look at yourself. You're not trash, garbage, nobody. I don't care if you were an accident and your mama even told you you were an accident. God knew about you coming and he's got a plan for your life. When you read this Bible, it shows you who God is. It shows you who you are. It shows you the incredible plan to live a life that has got meaning and it's important. It says here, whatever you do, will prosper in Psalms chapter 1. Then it goes on to say, the wicked are not so. Those who live disobediently without God, they're like the chaff which the wind blows and it just disappears. It's saying here that if, there are, if there's wickedness in your life, God's trying to teach you for a reason. Don't go in that direction because your life will just end up in pain and hurt and stuff. Use the wisdom of God's word. Meditating number four in the Number four was meditating in the Bible will bring God's wisdom for your life. Number five, our last thought today, time's up. Let go of your lower life and then you can rise to the higher life. Matthew 10, 39 in the Amplified says that, that almost word for word. It's talking about where Jesus says he who wants to He's got to lose his life before he finds it. And if he finds his life, he's going to, you know, he's going to lose it. He's basically saying here, you've got to let go of a lower life to move on. You know how many people hang on to things in their past? How many people hang on to hurts? How many people hang on to disappointments? How many people hang on to the way you were? You know, for all of you who are here and have known me for years, and there's many are here, You've got to admit, I am not the same Leon today that I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a year ago. And I've got to admit, you're not the same either. We change. And you know what? You've got to make a choice to let go of the stuff. Let go of the anger, the jealousy. Let go of the junk that keeps you um, living like a defeated person who's Thoughts and emotions and memories are all tied up around junk. Let go of low living. Let go of it. Bible says reach up and get the high life. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 to 24 says, Put off the old and then put on the new. You say, well, that's easier said than done. No, the Bible says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's literally your old lifestyle is like a jacket. You just make a decision, start taking off buttons and peeling this thing off. There's, a, there's an old lifestyle, there's an old way of thinking. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know what that means? That when you give your life to Jesus, life is so awesome, it becomes so great. But from that point and on, God is going to need you to renew your mind. Take this manual and begin to read it. Begin to study great teaching books. Begin to get, get some of the cassette series back there that will show you how to have a good marriage or how, how to think differently, how to change your heart. There's so many great teachings from the Word. It bothers me sometimes to see people living so far below their potential. It's time to let go of your low life. What are you hanging on to? Let's just take two seconds. I want you to think now. Is there anything in your life you're hanging on to? Is there anything right now that bugs you, ticks you off, brings pain into your life? Is there anything that, well, this is just the way I am. I'm Irish and I'm angry or whatever it is. Is there something you need to let go of? You know, you might have been hanging on to that for years. And you'll never move on to the life God's got for you till you let go.
of the low life, it says in Mark in Matthew 10. With every head bowed for just a moment. I want to lead this entire congregation in a prayer. It is such a powerful prayer. It's the prayer where a person makes a choice to give their life to God. God never forces anybody, never makes them. You can't, he doesn't want you to, to try to change yourself to be good enough to serve him. He actually wants you to come the way you are. Angry, addicted, hurting, garbage going on in your life, whatever. He wants you to come the way you are. And it says that Jesus died for you and I on the cross. And he paid the price if, there was, if we were to make a list of all your sins and shortcomings and junk in your life, the second you got done, Jesus would stamp it paid in full because he died for you and me. So what he did when he died, was he simply made it possible for us to be a part of God's family. God wants you so bad to say this prayer. He'll never force you, but he's given you the choice. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it, you don't understand everything about it, but you just mean it. I'm going to give my life to God. I want to serve Him. I want His purpose for my life. If you make that decision today, the presence of God will enter your heart, the very center of your being, enter your life. And from today and on, God's presence will be with you. And as you begin to renew your mind and learn from the Bible, you can live a life that is so fulfilling You'll discover the purpose for your existence, the destiny, the plan that God has for you. Now, before I lead everybody in this powerful prayer, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'd like all over this building, just slip up your hand. You look, you look up for a minute at me. Give me a wave till I see your hand just saying, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ right now. Thank you. Thank you. I want to miss you. Thank you. Thank you. We're here. Thank you. Thank you. We're here. Thank you. Thank you. We're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a wonderful time in our service because when you make this decision, it's not, it doesn't have to be an emotional decision. It's just you hear the word of God and you go, you know what? I need God in my life. This prayer is going to change your entire life. And I don't want to miss you. So before I pray, I'm going to just wait a few minutes in the presence of God while he talks to a few people. And then if you want to be included in this prayer, just slip your hand up right now. Wave at me. Say, Pastor, include me. Me too. Thank you. you in a prayer. I call it the most powerful prayer I know because it changes people's lives. Let's all pray it together out loud with these wonderful people who put their hand up. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me for everything that's wrong in my life. I give you my life. Come into my heart from today and on. I want to serve you. Please give me the power 
change every day, every year. From today and on, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for those that just prayed that prayer.